to the VitaFoods Insights podcast. Join us as we explore the latest science and innovation, helping the global health and nutrition industry connect, develop, and progress. Today's host is Natalia Franca Rocha, Content and Conference Manager. Hello and welcome to another Vita Foods Insights podcast episode. I'm Natalia Franca Rocha, Content and Conference Manager at Vita Foods. Earlier in the year, as part of our Vita Foods Insights Virtual Expo Asia, we hosted a panel discussion about clinical trial and science consideration for brand owners launching digestive health products in Asia with Dr. Nirja Hajila, Secretary at the Gut Microbiota and Probiotic Science Foundation in India, also Head of Science and Regulatory Affairs at Yakult Danone India, and Dr. Chinkun Wang, Distinguished Professor at Changshan Medical University. Today, we'll share some key highlights from that discussion, but first, let's hear from Dr. Hanirja on why the gut is so important. It's not surprising that more than two-thirds of the population suffers from weak intestinal health. We have digestive disorders, constipation, diarrhea, acidity, bloating, irritable bowel syndrome, and now, of course, cancers are on the rise. So what makes the gut so important? What we already know is that the gut, which is the small intestine and the large intestine, is responsible for digestion of food and absorption of nutrients, and the large intestine helps in removing all the waste material. We also know that 70% of the immune system is found in the gut, in the form of the gut-associated lymphoid tissue, and therefore the gut is the largest immune organ of the human body. We have heard of the gut-brain axis, so you have your enteric nervous system and about two-thirds of the neurotransmitters in the gut, which also makes it the second brain of the human body. So the human gut is a complex immuno-neuroendocrine organ. It helps in extracting and providing nutrients to the body. It is the largest immune organ with about 70% of the immune cells. We have 100 million neurons. And what about the microbes that we have in our gut and body? So we've all heard about the human microbiome. We are about 1,000 species, 100 trillion microbes, which are found in every part of the human body. And you have different species of microorganisms in different parts of the body, like the mouth, the skin, the urogenital tract, and the intestine. The largest consortium of these microbes are found in the intestine, and as you can see here, as we go down from the stomach to the duodenum, the jejunum, and the ileum, and then the colon, the number of microorganisms keep on increasing. In fact, in the colon, we have about 10 to the power 12 cell-forming units per ml of colonic content. And the reason for this is very simple. It is because of a favorable environment in the colon and more substrate availability. Now, coming to the role of these microbes, so they have three important roles. One, of course, they have a protective function, they have structural functions and metabolic functions. So these microorganisms, they are your first line of defense against pathogens. They help in pathogen displacement by competing for nutrients and receptors. They produce antimicrobial factors like bactericides and lactic acid and inhibit of the growth of the pathogenic organisms. Also, they help in the induction of secretory IgA and immune system development. 
Another very important role of these microorganisms are the, its metabolic function. They ferment non-digestible dietary residues and non-digestible substrates into what is known as short-chain fatty acids. And these short-chain fatty acids are a very important source of energy for your colonic epithelial cells. Many of these microorganisms synthesize vitamins like biotin and folate, and they help in better absorption of nutrients and salvage for energy. We have all heard about the gut microbiota, the gut and the brain axis. So these microbes, they communicate with the brain through a bidirectional signaling, which is between the GI tract and the brain through the vagus nerve. So they are vital for maintaining homeostasis and may be involved in the etiology of several metabolic and mental disorders. So now the question is, if these microbes are so important, does an imbalance of the microbes in the gut cause disease? So it's a very chicken and egg situation. We know that we have the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good here are represented by lactobacilli and bifidobacteria, and the ugly by staphylococci and clostridial pathogens. So the balance of these microbes in the gut is very important because the good bacteria help in digestion of food, absorption of nutrients. They help to stimulate the immune system also synthesize vitamins like I've already told you. Whereas the harmful ones are the ones which are responsible for intestinal putrefaction. They produce carcinogens and diseases like diarrhea, constipation and liver damage and also hepatic encephalopathy. So an imbalance of the gut microbiota where the harmful microbes are in much larger numbers than the beneficial ones are responsible for disease. And like I said, it is a chicken and egg situation. We do not know what comes first, whether the imbalance of the microbes leads to disease or whether the disease is linked to an imbalance in the microbes. But clearly there are differences in the gut microbiota in different disease conditions like inflammatory bowel disease, metabolic syndrome, allergy and also infectious disease and this better represented where you can see that even in malnourishment or type 2 diabetes or IBD you have an imbalance of the intestinal microbes. There are certain species of bacteria or microbes which are overrepresented and the others are underrepresented. So even in metabolic disorders, when we have a high-fat diet, there's an increase in intestinal permeability because of increased production of lipopolysaccharide. When it enters into the circulatory system, causes tissue inflammation. This leads to insulin resistance and thereby obesity and type 2 diabetes. There is a concept of replenishing the beneficial microbes. We've all heard about fecal microbiota transplants, which is also basically nothing but stool transplant of fecal bacteria from a healthy individual into a recipient. So what is important is balance is important. And when it comes to balance, there you have interventions like probiotics, prebiotics, and symbiotics, which are dietary factors to modulate the gut microbiome, the immune system, and the gut brain interaction. Balance definitely seems to be of great importance when it comes to gut health. And probiotics, prebiotics, and symbiotics are now key terms consumers are becoming more aware of. So let's all be on the same page about the meaning of these terms. Let's start with probiotics. 
These are live microcanisms which when administered in adequate amounts, they confer a health benefit on the host. So this is a definition which was given in 2001 by the Food Agriculture Organization and World Health Organization. And 2014, the International Scientific Association for Probiotics and Prebiotics gave a consensus statement where they replaced the word which with that to make it more inclusive. So they are live microorganisms that when administered in adequate amounts confer a health benefit on the host. So this is the framework for probiotic products. What are probiotic? Are your probiotic drugs, your probiotic medical foods, non-oral probiotics, probiotic animal feed. But what are not probiotic are fermented foods with an undefined microbial content and an undefined consortia, including fetal microbiota transplants. Prebiotics, on the other hand, is a substrate that is selectively utilized by host microorganisms to confer a health benefit on the host. And these include fructooligosaccharides, galacto-oligosaccharides, inulins, fructans, and galactans. And a combination of both probiotics and prebiotics is what is known as symbiotic. And this exerts both a probiotic and a prebiotic effect. Now that we are all on the same page of the meaning of probiotics, prebiotics and symbiotics, let's look at clinical evidence. If you just do a quick PubMed search, you'll find more than 8,000 publications on probiotics and prebiotics. And this is a study that has been conducted in India, which was basically to evaluate the role of a probiotic in preventing acute diarrhea in children in a slum setting. It was a community-based randomized double-blind placebo-controlled study. And it was conducted in the slum setting, which is what 66 in the city of Calcutta, which is quite compromised when it comes to hygiene and sanitation. So the number of children who were included in the study were 3,758 and the age group was between one and five years. So this is a very, very crucial age group for children, especially in slum settings, because about 300 million children die because of diarrhea just in this age group. So they were divided into two groups. We had 1894 in probiotic group and about 1864 in the nutrient group. And they were given a probiotic fermented milk drink for a period of 12 weeks and then followed up for another 12 weeks. And these are some of the pictures of the study where the children were actually consuming the probiotic fermented milk drink. And what was observed was that the group that got probiotic, there was a 14% reduction in incidence of diarrhea imparting a protective efficacy in the probiotic group for prevention of acute diarrhea in these group of children. There is enough and more data which suggests that the oral intake of probiotics during pregnancy and postnatal helps the newborn acquiring a much healthy microbiome and a better immune system with increased IgA, T-regulatory cells, interleukin-22 and enhanced epithelial barrier integrity. And this is the World Allergy Organization, which has suggested the use of probiotics in pregnant women at high risk for having an allergic child, using probiotics in women who breastfeed infants at high risk of developing allergy, and probiotics in infants at high risk of developing allergy. So this is just to give you the length and breadth of the areas where probiotics find benefit. And now there was a recent review in Nature which suggested the potential applications of probiotics and prebiotics for the prevention and treatment of COVID. Of course, this is hypothetical. These are very new evidence which are being generated. But there is a lot of scientific data which suggests 
the efficacy of probiotics and prebiotics. And that is where scientific uh, clinical trials become increasingly important when you have to make a health claim on these products. In the topic of gut health and gastrointestinal GI health clinical trial, we also learned more about the power of phytochemicals in digestive health from Dr. Chinkon. So today I would like to introduce a very interesting combination. This is Berta contents. We combine some natural materials. One very important, this is Berta. This is a tropical vegetable. And the other one, uh, this is uh, Angelica. Uh, this is traditional Chinese medicine. And also the grown whale. This is also one kind of medicine. And the last portion, that is just the oil. Of course, we screen in vitro and then move into animal model and then uh, to the clinical trial. In the clinical trial, we use the carbon-13 UVT measurement to measure how is the infection of by H. pylori. And we can see after the intervention of Berta complex, UVT value actually was greatly suppressed and show time dependent. We can also record the gastrointestinal symptoms and we can see after the treatment of the Berta complex, actually the symptoms also greatly uh, improved. And we also measure different kinds of inflammatory markers. For example, CRP, but CRP is very normal uh, inflammatory marker. It doesn't work. But we can see the TNF-alpha actually after the intervention of Berta-Yente combination actually is greatly suppressed. We can also see some antioxidant enzyme, for example, SOD and catalase actually after intervention also increased. And this is clinical observation of use the uh, endoscope. And we can see before the intervention, some ulcers can be found and after the treatment, all the ulcers disappear. We can also see what happened, whether the phytochemicals kill the H. pylori, do something. But we find it's very interesting because we can find that H. pylori adhesion to epithelial cell can be suppressed after the treatment of the materials. And also the cation interleukin-8 in the secretion. And also the total amounts of interleukin-8 also are suppressed after the intervention of Berta complex. And of course, in my laboratory, we also found that several natural materials, for example, the Noli, Eric's, it also show very similar uh, results. And we also use different materials, for example, chromosense is in a clinical trial. And we can find it can modify the microbiome and also regulate at the same time. Other studies, also a clinical trial. We try to understand our, how is the efficacy of a fermented plant extract. Actually, we know a lot of plant extract, a lot is uh, fermented materials. But in our study, we can find uh, that can modify microbiome and also the metabolomics and then promote some health benefits. So because I work in medical university and hospital, so our team usually combine different departments and work together. So basically, we have a lot of clinical trial. Great insights shared by both Dr. Nija and Dr. Chinkun about the digestive health market and clinical trials in Asia. Now, to dive a little bit more into the topic, we'll share some of the questions covered during the live panel discussion. To start with, one of the questions was asking whether formulators should look at a single function like protective or structure when selecting a probiotic ingredient, or should they seek synergy? I think they should seek synergy. A probiotic bacteria may have more than one function. 
most probiotic bacteria are live bacteria so they reach the target site live and they produce either lactic acid or acetic acid as an end product of fermentation and modulate the gut environment again they have surface structure molecules like peptidoglycan complex or a polysaccharide which can actually interact with the immune system of the intestine and augment both immune response both systemic as well as a natural immune response so there are probiotics which have more than one mechanisms by which they act and therefore a synergy would be a better option yeah according to my personal experience Except for the probiotics, actually any kinds of you know phytochemicals or uh, materials after eating will influence the microbiome of the intestine, and we also find metabolomics is also quite important. Maybe if we can have very good phytochemicals and together with very special probiotics together, maybe they have some very good syn- synergistic effect like that. So I don't think only the single formulation for single function. In the future, uh, maybe uh, we can have uh, many more studies. So for example, in my laboratory, also do the microbiome after any intervention of the phytochemicals. Yeah, actually, we can identify some very specific probiotics, and then we can combine very specific and also useful probiotics together with the phytochemicals and for the advanced study. Yeah, now basically the results is very positive and very interesting. I don't think in the future only uh, the, the single formulation for single function, maybe it's some kinds of multiple function. Okay, so the key message here seems to be that Synergy is the way to go for formulators looking to develop digestive health products. But with bacteria strains often being associated with some health disbenefits, we had a question about whether a single microorganism can have both positive and negative effects on the host or expressed differently in hosts with different physiology. Again, when you're looking at uh, probiotics, it is a microorganism. It can have a positive and a negative effect. But if you are looking at a probiotic organism, then these organisms are tested for their safety. And most often they have a grass status, which is generally recognized as safe. So they have not only a positive effect. And in any case, they have to be validated. Like we said, clinical trials are very important. Uh, scientific validation of their health benefits is very, very important. And therefore, you have a lot of scientific studies in animal models as well as humans to determine the safety as well as the efficacy of the strain. So most often, these organisms which are probiotic are tested both in vitro as well as in vivo for the safety and efficacy and have a positive effect. Yeah, but you know, basically, many, many more findings show that some kinds of very good probiotics are, are found recently. And But one thing is very important, not only the one way for the probiotics, but basically the host is also very important. Yeah, actually, we have a cooperative program together with so many countries, and the results are, are actually are very amazing. Uh, even some uh, well-known probiotics, uh, they show very specific health benefits. But <laughs> after our studies, uh, we can see uh, some healthy benefits in some region. But uh, in some region, it doesn't work. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so maybe... Uh, the lifestyle, dietary behavior, and also maybe, you know, their personal genetic problems, the performance is also different. Yeah, but uh, I believe uh, uh, maybe in the future soon, many, many more findings can help us understand more. 
Another thing for product developers to keep in mind is how probiotic effects and differences occur depending on the region, which draws into consumers' lifestyles, diet habits, age, genetic information, among other factors. And speaking of consumers, we had a question about consumers asking if in Asia, do consumers tend to take probiotic as a cure for illness or to maintain their current health? Most often, probiotics in Asia are available in the form of foods. They are classified as functional foods, not really for treatment of disease, because when it comes to foods, there are strict regulatory compliances, so we cannot use words like treat, prevent, or mitigate. But yes, they're basically used to improve your overall health and reduce the risk of diseases. So most often in Asia, people are understanding the importance of gut health. And gut plays a very important role in almost every aspect of health. And now that we know that we harbor 100 trillion microbes, and these microbes, kind of microbes we harbor, are so important not just for digestive disorders, but also for metabolic disorders or your metabolic syndrome. There is a lot of studies that it is a mood as well as, uh, you know, symptoms of anxiety and depressions are actually controlled by the kind of microbes that you harbor. And therefore, that again makes the gut so important. And therefore, it is largely for improvement of overall health and not so much for treating or curing a particular disease. Another interesting question was about how consumers navigate the market. With so many probiotic options available, how can consumers know which probiotics are suitable for them and which are not? As well, how can they know which probiotics are in excess in their gut? In the market, so many kinds of commercial probiotics. But you know, some of them, the amount actually is a very good question. Some of them only very, very minor, several million, but actually, you know, only several million colony, it doesn't work. Maybe several billion India works well. Yeah. Yes. So please don't worry about it. <laughs> only, uh, for your gut. Usually, human is very sensitive. If something wrong, you understand, oh, maybe too much. So because the probiotics, why we call them probiotics? Because they can bring positive benefits to our human body. And also, uh, they produce some very special uh, metabolomics. Yeah, so usually no side effect. I, I think our human body, we can sense how is the feeding, how is the feedback. It's difficult. We had lots of questions coming in during this panel discussion. And before we end the show, let's hear some takeaway home messages around challenges of clinical trials and the potential of phytochemicals on the gut to brain axis. When you want to launch a product in the country or anywhere, it needs to be backed with science. It's very, very important to design a clinical trial and get the funding for the clinical trial is not so easy. So a lot of funds are required for the clinical trial. Design of the study, the appropriate length of or the period for that particular study is very, very important. And also defining the outcomes for a particular study when it's drugs is very, very easy. Because you know that if you're taking a particular drug and you're designing a clinical trial around a drug, it has to treat that disease. But when it comes to functional foods, nutraceuticals, probiotics, prebiotics, and I think also phytochemicals, you know, the design of the study, the final outcome of the study, the period of that study, those are the key challenges which can sometimes hamper initiating a clinical trial. I think only very short words. There are lots of treasures in the nature especially, you know, fresh vegetable fruits, berries, according to our experience, they really bring very positive effect. 
can improve the health benefits of our body. Both Dr. Nihja and Dr. Chinkun shared very valuable insights to our Vital Foods Insights Virtual Expo Asia audience, who fully engaged into the discussion by asking questions. We are very pleased to be able to share some of that thought leadership knowledge to our Vital Foods Insights podcast audience. Looking ahead for more insights and entry strategies into the Asian APAC region, stay tuned for our Vital Foods Asia 2022 hybrid events later in the year. Vital Foods Asia will Collocate with FI Asia at Queen City National Convention Center in Bangkok, Thailand, and online. The smart events will begin digitally on the 26th of September and convene the in-person experience from the 5th to the 7th of October. If you are an industry expert interested in speaking at Vital Foods Asia, we accepting speaker proposals through our online speaker portal, which you can find a hyperlink into the show notes. Thank you for joining me and see you next time. Thank you.